Hi, this is Allison Sheridan of the NoSilicast podcast, hosted at podfeet.com, a technology geek podcast with an ever so slight Apple bias. Today is Friday, January 31st, 2020, and this is show number 769. Yes, the show is actually two days early. Don't forget, that means there will be no live show on Sunday because that's Super Bowl Sunday and I'm going to be playing. You may have noticed over the last few days that from time to time, you can't get to podfeed.com. The errors returned are fairly random. Sometimes it says, I don't have a valid certificate, which I do. Sometimes it says there's an error connecting to the database. It's been an adventure watching all the different errors coming in. With Bart's help, we've determined that something is hammering the Apache web server. We've set up a monitoring service called 24x7, which luckily has a a free 30-day trial, but I may need to pony up $100 a year if I end up needing to maintain this over time. My server will now push status to 24-7 so we can see graphs of what's been happening even when it's actually down. Bart also pointed me at a cool tool called Core Tunnel from the same fine folks that brought us Core SSH. This allows me to tunnel into podfeed.com and watch my Apache server status, which you can only get from inside the server. With this tool, we can see what kind of requests are coming in. Now, we know what a normal request looks like for HTTP. It should look like something like get and then the URL it's looking for, like maybe somebody is looking for, their podcatcher is looking for the latest update to the chit chat across the pond RSS feed. So it would say ccatp-rss.xml. But my server is showing lots of these as well. It's showing HTTP slash 1.1 WW1, sorry, www1.podfeed.com colon 80 options star HTTP. Now, Bart says that is not a normal web request at all. I'm telling you all this so that you'll know that I know something is afoot and that we're doing everything we can to figure out how to stop it. We see this as a denial of service attack, but we don't actually know for sure whether it's from the outside or something going wrong on the inside. It smells more like it's from the outside, and that makes our options pretty limited. Bart says that this could simply stop on its own as mysteriously as it started. That has happened to him before. If it doesn't stop, I may need to pay a service like Cloudflare Cloudflare to protect podfeed.com. Now, I'll be posting this today, hopefully. Hopefully it's not the next day. And you should be hearing this because the audio files themselves are hosted on Libsyn. And if your podcatcher just keeps trying, it will eventually get to the podfeed feed file, which is over on podfeed.com. Like I said, it's up and down and up and down all day long, which is super fun. If the site is down, though, you won't be able to follow the links in your podcatcher to see the blog posts or watch the videos Steve is posting natively on podfeet.com. However, you can subscribe on YouTube to see those videos by going to youtube.com slash nosilicast and subscribing there. It's way more fun to watch where Steve puts them, though. If you want to be alerted to problems like this, I'd like to suggest you sign up for the Podfeet Press by going to podfeet.com and clicking the link in the top menu bar to subscribe. You'll get an email every time the NoSilicast or Chit Chat Across the Pond comes out with a nice little description, but when catastrophes happen, you'll find out there too. I'm also pretty good about tweeting from Podfeet and uh, slacking in the show announcement channel and Facebooking when things go awry as well, so if you want to know what I know, please be sure to join in the conversation. 
I want to give a quick shout out to Darren Headley, who responded to the Podfeet Press where I announced the denial of service attack. And he wrote some real nice things, one of which was, I'm sure we'll all survive without the site for a while. Don't worry. Happy thoughts and best wishes. I know that's just a little thing, but it means a lot to me because I really do freak out when the site is down. And I'm trying to be calm, but anyway, Bart keeps saying that I should keep chanting, no one dies if podfeet.com is down. While we were in Las Vegas for CES, we carved out some time to have dinner with our good friend, J.F. Brissett. He's also the editor of all of my videos for Screencast Online. He brought his daughter, Lila, to dinner, and she started talking to me about her journey of discovery into accessibility on Apple devices. I found Lila's enthusiasm for learning about accessibility absolutely infectious, so I asked her to come on Chit Chat Across the Pond and give us her perspective on accessibility as a young person without any disabilities. She is delightful, intelligent, and inquisitive, and I really enjoyed seeing these topics through her frame of reference. You can find this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond Light in your podcatcher of choice, or or you can listen over at podfeed.com if it's up when you hear this. Anyway, she wrote a really extensive outline over there as well, so you can go read along. All right, let's kick into gear and hear another interview from CES. I like to stop by the A-Logic booth every year because these products are practical and useful. And uh, I'm here yet again with Pratik Kumar. And what have you got for us this year? Thanks, Alison. Appreciate that. Uh, we've got a few new things this year. Uh, let's start with our 10-in-1 dual USB-C super hub. Why we call it so is uh, this is one of its kind uh, USB-C hub with dual input and a magnetic latch in between. The reason why I'm going to describe some of it for the audio listeners. He's got a, a hub in his hand that's got two cables coming out of it. Both of them are USB-C. They're they're holding on to each other with magnets, so you can pull them apart or have them exactly. cleanly together. So you plug both of those into your laptop. Um, see, that's the idea. So it gives you. So you plug it both of them in when you need to. Say, if you're using it with a Mac, a, a problem with a Mac in a way is uh, when you use only one connector, like most of the hubs have. You can only output one audio video at one time, so you can only have one display running at one time. But a lot of people, as you'd realize now, wants to want to run multiple displays, especially two displays, so they can have that extended window setup where they could have multiple applications running on different displays. And this is what it lets us enable at a really uh, reasonable cost. So when you plug in both the connectors, and this is specially designed for a Mac, the distance between the two connectors are specially designed for a Mac, it lets you enable two monitors in extended mode via the two HDMI ports. Nice. But say if you have an iPad Pro, that is, sorry. But say if an iPad Pro, which only has one USB-C, and say you're on the go, you have to give a presentation, you want to connect to a projector, you just release the latch, you connect the main connector to the iPad Pro, and you still have, you can connect it to either of the HDMI ports, and you have the projector going. Say if you have a Windows laptop, it's a shared environment in an office where it's a hot desking setup, where multiple people use the same desk on a day-to-day -day basis. Depending on they have got a Windows laptop or a Mac, they could still have a dual screen setup without trying to figure out a different hub or a different dock for their device. That is nicely slick, and it's also got a uh, it's got USB-C pass-through for power, I imagine. Exactly. So in fact, this is the new generation of power delivery called oh, Power yes. Delivery 3.0. So this does both data and charging, and we've got another USB-C for just data as well. A couple of USB-A ports, audio out, card reader, 
and on and this SD card and micro SD and Ethernet. And wow. Ethernet. Yeah. So exactly. That is so. a lot packed into that package. Exactly. So we have loaded up with pretty much anything a power user would need. So this is definitely designed around a power user who uses multiple devices, even phones. So you can connect it to a USB-C phone. Like if you connect it to a Samsung, it will support Samsung Dex. So okay. it will still support the desktop mode that Samsung enables. So yeah, that enables. A nice device. And so what's this one called? It's called the 10-in-1 Super Hub. 10-in-1 Super Hub. And uh, is that on the market yet? Uh, it will be launching next month. So, okay. yeah. And do you have so a price of, point? Of Feb, uh, 119 US dollars. 119. That's actually not bad for that, that, that many parts. Yeah, for exactly. a Super Hub. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> now, as always, we always try and sort of innovate, but keeping that cost in mind. So it's very important to make keep the price point realistic. You guys a, a medium point where it's it's classy exactly. and good looking stuff, but doesn't cost you a, a kidney. Exactly, that's the idea. So we pay a lot of attention of industrial design as well. At the end of the day, technology now is a part of your lifestyle. Yeah. You'll see that we have in most of our products that you will see, we have used sort of metal with soft touch aluminum. plastic. Yeah. Exactly. We always try and uh, you see uh, other products or other brands that do hubs and, and chargers and other sort of power banks that like us, but they usually go all metal or plastic because yeah. it's easier to do it like that actually. But you'll see- This we, is pretty. Yeah, and it, it, it is very and, and utilitarian as well because the soft touch, when you hold it in your hand, it gives you the feeling of warmth and that cozy feeling. Yeah. It doesn't feel like you're holding just really hard metal. So yeah, you'll see that across the board. Okay. This now, I'm we, noticing some fabric-covered things yes, here. exactly. So this is something we, we showed last year as well, but this is the newer version of the Dock Wave that we showed last year. The Dock Wave, it's called? Yeah, the Dock Wave. So why we call it the Dock Wave is this is a three-in-one device. So this has a USB-C hub and a power bank and a wireless charger all three-in-one together. Oh, wow. And so this is a single USB-C in and then you've got a USB-C, two USB-A, you've got a couple of card readers there, the one HDMI, and uh, what's that on the other? Oh, that, that switches, switches on the power, the power bank, and if you double press it, it switches on wireless charging, and all you do is slap your phone on it, and it just oh, check that out. That's beautiful. So, now I can I, the, for the audio listeners, what they didn't see was that Steve had to reach out and touch it as he's recording the video here. But that because it's a beautiful gray fabric, that's pretty neat. So that's the Dock Wave three in one. Exactly. And, and uh, so that does charging and um, uh, the wireless charging is a hub and it's a battery pack. Yeah, wow. exactly. So it's showing an action there with the with the MacBook Air. And Very nice. Yeah, say so if and you're working, so you don't need to plug out a cable, or you need to switch it on and place your phone on top. Now, unlike a lot of these, usually when I set my phone down, it takes a while to find the right spot. But either you're really good at it, or that's got a good uh, good coil. It seems to find it. Have you been there's, practicing? Uh, there has, and there's, there's both to it. <laughs> there's definitely a, a good coil to it. And all Qi certified that you will see. Yeah. So Qi certification means that it has passed through the strict regulations of WPC, been okay. tested by their lab, and all our products have that. So you'll see the Qi logo. Oh, so you okay. can only use okay. the Qi logo once it has passed through the WPC certification program. Very nice. So, how much? Uh, let's see. Is this available yet? The uh, the yeah, dockway yes, three. Yes, this is available. Uh, Ninety-nine US dollars. That's fantastic. That is really nice. Yeah. Not carrying a lot of difference. If anything else uh, important we need to see here before we uh, yeah, finish sure. up. Uh, I'll say oh, this is, oh, this is the one I saw the picture of. That's yeah, so the one I want to look at yeah, here. This is uh, this is really new. So, so this for the audio listeners. Exactly. So this is a three-in-one device. It charges Apple Watch an iPhone and an AirPod, all three together. 
There's meant for sort of a bedside setup where you want to remove the clutter, have a clean, nice and clean bedside. If you're especially in the Apple ecosystem, it charges by just one USB-C cable. So you, at night when you're going to bed, you slap your phone on it. If you have one of those wireless charging AirPods, you keep it here. Your watch goes here. In the morning, everything is charged up and ready to go. So you've combined the two, the coils for the AirPods and the uh, and the phone. Can they be at either spot or? It can be at either spot. Okay. And what we're looking at looks like it's not that much bigger than your phone. Then you've got a uh, you've got the the giant iPhone, exactly. right? Yeah, the Max. Exactly. And uh, so it looks about the size that it's got a gray covering. This is really simple and beautiful design. That is a gorgeous piece of hardware. Exactly. So, so that's the, called the Ultra Power Three in One Charging Dock, exactly. wireless charging yep. dock. So the idea again was to keep the footprint small yeah. and again use fabric to blend in with your house. We don't want it to stick out particularly. We want it to blend in with how you want to design and keep the aesthetics yeah. of your house and home. It's really classy looking. So uh, is this available yet? Uh, this will be available from March onwards okay. and uh, the cost will be $109 US. That's not bad again. And by the way, my birthday is in April. Okay. I'm just saying. You know, <laughs> I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Steve over here. <laughs> I mean, I can be talking to you if you want. Uh, 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 message received. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else? We're about out of time here. Uh, you Looks know, like there's a couple of bigger docks for more power users for uh, okay. a Thunderbolt dock. If you're a Mac or a Windows user, you want to display a couple of diff two different displays at 4K at 60 hertz. This is especially designed around a really power user who wants to display two big monitors at high resolution, a graphic designer or, a, you know, someone working in design and production and wants to just plug one cable, have the devices ready to go, charging your device at 85 watts of power. So, yeah, this is really good for uh, someone who is working and who works in video editing and needs just a really big wide space okay. to real estate with bigger monitors. And that's the prime docking station with USB-C. And then you've got the uh, triple display, yeah, exactly. hybrid so, pro. Yeah, oh people my. who need more, oh, so we've got a triple. On. Come on, now you guys are just fooling around, Pratik. No, no, no. I'm looking at the back people. of this thing. I see three full-size uh, display port, three HDMI. So you can choose between the two, depending upon what cable or monitors you need. So you're doing three total, not yeah, six. Three, not three total, yeah. So you can choose between the either of the two. Okay. Yeah. And Ethernet, a couple USB. Uh, even you know, I don't even need this, and I think I need a lot. That is <laughs> that is bananas. So that's a triple display hybrid pro. Yep. All right. Oh, okay. Uh, one more thing. One more thing. What are those little tiny square uh, gray covered? Oh, this is just a standard charging pad. There's um, nothing out of the ordinary with them. This is a 10 watt charging pad. So G charging again. Yeah, exactly. G charging. What we want to show was how we have designed a family of products that go all together. So, and they're meant for being at different places in your house. So this is sort of meant to be in a more sort of shared space in your house, okay. sort of in a living room where you could be charging two devices wirelessly and two devices by cable where your kids are around, your guests come over. So, you know, you want to remove all that clutter. Just one adapter, this device on your sort of kitchen bench or on your TV unit. And, you know, someone asks for a cable, just go slap your phone on it. Or if your kids want to charge their Nintendo Switch or iPads, you've got two cables for that as well. Wow. That this is, is again, more of a so personal pretty. device. This is a more of a personal device you share or, or keep it on your table. This is for more bedside table. And this is, as I said, more of a living room thing. Wow. I, I love all of this. This is beautiful stuff. This is fantastic. So if people want to learn more about these products and see them for themselves, where would they go? Uh, they go to our website, uh, www.alogic.co. So it's just .co. And yeah, get in touch with us if you need anything. And yeah, we'll appreciate all the time and effort from your side. Thank very you. good, very good. Always fun. Well, can you tell that I really love the A-Logic devices? They're so beautiful. 
Anyway, uh, Pratik gave me one of them as a review unit, so you can expect that review soon. Next up, we've got another great review by Alistair Jenks. For the many years I have carried an iPhone in my pocket, I have always wanted a good way to check on public transport timetables. I've tried many apps over the years, and while many were functional, none offered me the simplicity I was after. A case in point is the official app of MetLink, the umbrella organisation that includes the local trains and multiple bus companies in my home city of Wellington. The creators of the app have tried to shoehorn in all of the information available and this makes the app cumbersome to use when you just want to know when the next service is heading where you want to go. After trying so many apps over so many years, I began to believe that what I actually wanted was simply an intelligently presented version of the classic printed timetable. In fact, the MetLink website has exactly this and I almost always turn to it when I need to know what time the next train is leaving. Then a recent App Store feature story included a couple of apps I hadn't seen before, and as both of them were free, I gave them a go. Transit Bus and Train Times is a fully featured planner which takes the approach of showing you everywhere you can go from nearby stops. It looks great, but it's not what I need. I know exactly where I need to go, I just need to know when that next train is departing and going in my direction. Next there is the app that not only delivered exactly what I needed, it showed me how simply my needs could actually be met. Next there takes a very simple approach. Search for a stop, filter for destinations from that stop, and add that to a Your Stops list. You can add up to three stops for free, and a subscription lets you add as many as you want. With your stops set, the app then becomes an instant source of exactly the information you need. If you tap on a stop, it shows the times of the next three services that are going in the direction you selected when creating the stop entry. This is a very important distinction. Most other apps will show all services leaving a stop, which is particularly useless for major terminals that serve multiple routes, and annoying even at outlying stops, most of which has services running in two directions. But next there goes a step further. At the top of the main screen, it shows the next three services for the nearest of your stops. In my case, I have only two stops set, my home station heading into the city and the reverse of this. What this means is if I am at home, it shows me the next three services into the city. And if I'm in the city, it shows me the next three services home. All I ever need to do is open the app and look at the top of the screen. It gets better still. Next there has a watch app, which distills the information even further. The largest complication style shows the service identity from in two stops and the next two service times. The smallest complication style shows only a single number and unit, the number of minutes or hours until the next service leaves the nearest stop. At home in the morning or at work in the evening, a quick glance at my watch tells me whether I have enough time to catch the next train. If I decide it's not possible to make that service, a tap on the complication shows me the next two services as well and I can switch to other stops if desired. Next there is the perfect answer to a commuter's question of when is the next train or bus? And if you have no more than two legs to your commute, the free version will serve you well. The app covers all major cities in Australia and some regional areas, the three main cities in New Zealand, and San Francisco, Boston, Portland and Honolulu in the United States, with a promised expansion for the US and Europe. 
Note that the website linked in the show notes does not mention New Zealand, but it is included in the App Store description. In addition to allowing extra stops to be saved, a subscription will give you push notifications about incidents and disruptions, access to visual themes, and additional settings to tweak the app behavior. A one-month subscription is only $0.99, and a one-year subscription is a bargain at $3.99. There are no ads in the free version. That really makes me wish that we had decent public transport in Los Angeles, uh, but we don't. Hence why you see all those cars whenever you see pictures or video of Los Angeles. In this next interview from CES, I'll be talking to Nick, who is the co-founder of Bridge. But before I started talking to him, they had a lot of trouble finding someone who could do an interview with me. And the people there at the booth were kind of scrambling around going, hey, we got to find the tech guy. We don't know if we can find the right guy. And so finally, this guy walks up to me and I said, you know, are you actually like, you know about the product technically, you can actually explain it to me. And it was only after I said that, that he told me that he was the co-founder of the company. So that's why I make that little joke that you'll hear at the very beginning. We've talked to Bridge before about their keyboards, but this year they've come out with something new. They've got a trackpad for the iPad. And uh, I'm with Nick Smith, one of the co-founders of Bridge, and he's gonna, uh, he said he could possibly tell us a little bit about little his bit, products. A little bit about it. <laughs> Look, thank you. So what we've done here is we've taken our, our core um, iPad Pro keyboard, which has just been an absolute stellar product for us over the last 12 months. Um, the idea of what we create is a, is a keyboard that really does complement the, the iPad and, and give it more of a, a MacBook style or feel to give you that extra flexibility and productivity. Um, with the release of iPad OS uh, in, you know, back... I was 13. iOS, sorry. No, iPad, iPad OS 13. iPad OS 13, you're right. Um, there wasn't 12, but... Um, it's obviously allowed accessibility features, and one of those features is touch, assistive touch. So what we've been able to do is create a touchpad um, that complements that experience. Um, on one hand, we've got one that's actually built into the keyboard itself. Um, which oh, is the, that's the, why you were pointing at that one. I didn't catch that. Gotcha. Which, which is the new Bridge Pro Plus. Um, it comes Bridge 11.0 Pro Plus or the 12.9 Pro Plus. Um, but we've also got this standalone trackpad. And, and, and the idea behind this is really to complement those customers or those users who focus on the iPad as their primary device. Um, whether they be at home, sitting at the desk, they might have this sitting up on a, on, a, on, a, um, on a holder or a dock and use a magic keyboard. This, key, this trackpad means you don't have to go and touch. Right, right, right. You can be sitting, can be sitting back and it has sort of really three main functions. Obviously, we've got a tracking experience here, but to be able to navigate three finger tap, um, if I go into say settings, hit my three fingers, that brings up the dock, if I hit two fingers, that brings up App Expose, and that allows me to then be able to swipe left and right and select what I want. Um, I can then go in the bottom right-hand corner and click, and that takes us back to the desktop. So what we're trying to do is to provide an experience that really just does enhance the usability of the iPad itself um, and give that, 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 that user probably more pro capabilities or Mac OS style capabilities on their iPad, because let's face it, these devices are ridiculously powerful. They have the power of a MacBook in many cases, um, but the flexibility of the iPad. So what we're about is all providing that, that blend of experience. Together. Well, I'll tell you another uh, thing that you may not realize how important this is, is uh, I do video screencasting, and one of the most tedious parts of the job is to add the touch after the fact. 
So with this trackpad, you could then be using three, the uh, the touch and the touch targets are there. You can actually see the, uh, the, the cursor moving around. So we don't have to add those touches after the fact. So that saves us money, yeah. saves us a really annoying job too. It's like no fun at all You're to right, do it. It's right, boring as right. all get out. So this has a huge uh, impact on the, uh, on the production for the video podcasting. Um, and it's interesting because the trackpad from Apple doesn't actually work very well with the iPad. But I haven't been able to get this to do anything but exactly what I expected it yeah. to do. So I think yeah. it's working really well. Look, we've, we've, we've tried to create a more simple product. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer of less is more. And at the end of the day, of course, this is smaller than the Magic Trackpad 2. But that's enormous. And, and this is really just an alternate solution, which, quite frankly, is actually designed for iPad OS. Right, right. If, if, and the thing is, I mean, I love my giant Magic Trackpad, oh, but if awesome. I'm on a little iPad, that doesn't make any it, sense at all. It's nearly as big as the iPad. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, th as I said, this is, this is for that user who uses their iPad all day, every day. Um, but when they're at home, just gives them a, a bit of an extension. Of course, on the other hand, you have the solution which is here, which is obviously the bigger version, which is our, our, our Bridge Pro Plus. And, and this is a product that's designed, obviously, to take that trackpad experience, but bring it into a, a single you know, iPad solution. But at the end of the day, if you still want to use your iPad, out it comes and it's unencumbered in a beautiful case and it is it is what it is so for the audio listeners he's got the 12.9 uh, inch ipad pro in a keyboard with a trackpad and i mean that is a uh, that's a full-fledged computer right there yeah, exactly and it still gives you those same functions so whether you're wanting to you know bring up the dock and, and change things around or be able to change through apps and just be just more efficient more yeah, productive. that is fantastic so uh one of these uh trackpad versions is going to be available uh, so these actually started um, when I sailed yesterday at 11 a, at 11 a.m. Um, that, and what you're pointing at is the uh, the keyboard with yeah, the trackpad. Exactly. So this the first 500 units are shipping at the end of February. Um, they're gone. Um, the balance is going to be shipping at the end of March. That happens every year with you guys. You should learn to make more than 500 off the they, bat. They, they went in literally 60 seconds. So it was, wow. it was crazy. So, that is crazy. Um, this will be going with it as well. The, touch, so the, the, the independent touchpad will be at the end of March as well. Will be at the end of March. So yeah. you're going to call me when that's coming on sale so I can get it in the first 60 seconds? First number. <laughs> no, Absolutely. That, that'll be different. That'll be fine. So the, iOS, the iPad OS trackpad is going to be $129. Yeah. And uh, the, let's see. The, so the 11-inch Pro Plus is $199. And then the 12.9-inch is $229. Okay, great, great. This is fantastic products. I wish you the best of luck. Oh, thank you so much. Good to see you again. Thank you. Well, after we got done talking to Nick, he explained something really interesting. One of the questions has been, why does the Apple trackpad not work with the uh, iPad under iPadOS 13, but the bridge trackpad does work? He explained that the Apple trackpad self-identifies as a mouse, not a trackpad, but Apple has written drivers into macOS that change it into a trackpad. He proved this by plugging the Apple trackpad into a Windows machine, and sure enough, it showed up as a mouse. Then he plugged in the bridge trackpad into the same Windows machine and it showed up as a trackpad with no drivers installed. So on the iPad, they haven't written any drivers to recognize it as a trackpad. They could eventually, but in the meantime, when the bridge trackpad comes out, it could be a great solution. I thought it was really cool to learn that directly from uh, somebody so high up in the company of Bridge and to understand something about what Apple has done with their trackpad. Have you noticed how hard Steve has been working on all of this great content for the podcast from our CES interviews? If you appreciate all of his hard work, maybe you'd consider making a donation to help support that work. 
One-time donations are a great way to show your support. Simply go to podfeet.com slash PayPal and choose any number you'd like and send it in. We had an anonymous donor do exactly that this week, and I thank them for their support. Now, this next interview starts out a little bit slow because of the gentleman's skill at English, but in a couple of minutes, his CEO jumps in and then clarifies what this product actually is. I am surrounded by Frenchmen here in the Find Out booth. I've got Alexandre Locke and I've got Nafal Sakal. All right, so you've got something on the back of your shirt that says, what does it say there? It says, find out your private Google. Private Google. So this is a private search thing. That's yeah. all I got so far. Yeah. So tell it's us. Ve- it's ve- our, our solution is very simple, okay? It's a cloud, okay? Plus a very powerful solution. That's why it's called uh, Find Out, okay? It's good. So uh, it's embedded uh, a cloud and you can, uh, you can scan solution and recognize that is uh, that, that's embedded a very powerful solution to rec- recognize text only in picture. Okay, so you you've got a, a JPEG here, and you're saying it's got OCR on that? Yeah, yeah, they are um, a very powerful uh, artificial IA. AI? 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 AI, okay. Artificial uh, intelligence uh, to recognize a character on a, on a picture. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. And now I present my, uh, my CEO, Nofal, uh, to explain more precisely how, it, how does it work. Very good, very good. <laughs> so, so the idea I would find out is uh, it's a pr- your private Google. So it does search all the information privately in your Mac, in your emails, in your um, uh, hard drive, etc. And with, with Google, you search in um, the public information that is available all over the world. But when you want to search for an image or a document on your hard drive, it takes you a lot of time to, to search that. But with Find Out, you can uh, we can throw away this problem and find your information very instantly and very quickly. Oh, that is actually a huge problem because I've got stuff sprinkled everywhere and I don't know where anything is. That's the problem of all our clients today. And what what they want is they uh, can search only on the title in in your laptop just only on the title of the of the documents, but we find out you will can, we can search the information in the content of your documents. So it can be either an image, it can be a scanned document, it can be a word, it can be a PowerPoint. We can search in the content of all those documents. You know, when uh, uh, Apple first came out with Spotlight, they said it could do that, and I. <laughs> can't get it to search anything. Like right now it's decided that it won't search for the names of system preferences. Yes. Like it'll it'll find system preferences, but I can't search for say the sound system preference. It won't find that. It won't it won't look inside my uh, my uh, uh, contacts. Exactly. I don't know it's just, it's just it's mad at me right now. So I need <laughs> I need I need help. But it, it was our motive too because um, we waited so long for spot, uh, Spotlight to search in the content of our documents. We cannot find the, the information in your our own laptop. No, it's, it's it's really crazy, and with find out we can we can search that in an instant. Very cool, very cool. So, uh, the, do you what what platforms do you run on? <coughs> we are at on the Android Store, iOS, uh, and uh, Mac, and uh, we have a web-based application. All right, uh, no Windows app though. Uh, no Windows app, but we can use the the web web-based for Windows. All oh, those poor Windows people, you know, there's such a small percentage no, now. You know, it's fine. <laughs> no, Steve, right. I, I, I reassure you, it's coming out in the next uh, releases. Okay, and you said the iOS app store as well, right? Yes. Well, very cool. And uh, what's the price point on uh, on this? Is We're, it a monthly service fee? Or? Exactly, it's month, a monthly service fee. It's two ninety nine per user per month. 
That's not bad. It's really... Does it work with the family plan by any chance? Uh, no, no, ah. no. It's, it's per user per month for that. Ah, there you go. <laughs> but but we, um, that's for B2C. And for B2B, uh, it's $3.99. And it allows you to have multiple users and share a cloud uh, with them because I can have an, a photo of this brochure for instance and my colleague on the other on the other um, on the headquarters for instance will gonna search uh, for find out and they find this image okay you said that was for business right exactly okay exactly okay that's cool you've got both plans going and we have both plans and we have a small particularity of businesses that we uh, we are working with law firms and uh, friends uh, law firms doesn't want their data to go to find out uh, servers so uh, find out can be on-premise, so uh, deployed in their local service, locally, so that's sensitive and confidential information doesn't go away. Oh, that's actually really, really important. We worked for a government contractor, yes. and there was all this cool technology, and we could never use it because it wasn't yes. on-premises, exactly. so that's great that you and, do and, that. And that's why that's we, uh, we have made this on-premise, so that they can use our technology uh, locally in their service. Even if you're using a web browser? Even if you're in a web browser, because it connects you locally to the the, the server that you have uh, in your uh, in your locals. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, so if people wanted to find out more about this, where would they go? Find out this fr. Dot fr, because it's French. I told you, I'm surrounded by yeah, French right. guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. This Thank is very, very much. interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you. Back in 2016, I told you about an awesome third-party keyboard for iPad called MyScript Stylus. The genius of this keyboard was that it allowed you to write by hand with a stylus and it would convert your scribbles into text as you wrote. It worked in every app, so there was none of that nonsense of writing in a different app and then copying to the app where you wanted to write the text in the first place. Now, most of the time, I definitely prefer typing for many reasons. I'm much faster at typing these days, and it's so long since I've written by hand to an extent that my handwriting is pretty unintelligible now and my hand even cramps up if I have to do it for too long. You probably think I'm cuckoo for wanting to write by hand again, especially on an iPad. However, I will argue that there are times when it's easier to write by hand. In the lean-back experience with an iPad on the couch, our posture is often not proper for typing on a keyboard. And how about that iPad mini? No keyboard is possible on that at all, other than the on-screen keyboard. I would rather not type at all than type on the screen on that tiny device. The new swipe type keyboard with iPadOS makes that a little bit less gruesome, but I still detest it. For all of these reasons, I used MyScript Stylus every single day with my iPads. Then one sad day, the people at MyScript decided to remove it from the App Store. I was devastated. The MyScript folks have other tools that use their character recognition engine, like Nebo, but you have to go over to Nebo right there and copy your text back out. Like I said up front, that's a real pain and that's not what I want. I was really bummed to lose my script stylus and I even wrote to them suggesting they just charge for it. I'd give them 20 bucks for it. It was free at the time. But anyway, they were unconvinced by my pleas. Imagine my delight when the other day, Alistair Jenks tipped me off to another handwriting recognition keyboard for iPadOS called Selvi PenScript from Selvis AI, Inc. I immediately decided to give it a try. Now, if you've never installed a third-party keyboard before, it's pretty easy, but one part of it might alarm you. First, you download the keyboard from the App Store. Then you have to go into System Preferences, General, Keyboard, and then tap on Keyboards. I know that's dumb. I'm not sure why Keyboards is inside Keyboard, but you can go ask Apple about that. Within Keyboards, you'll see all of the keyboards you've enabled. 
Find Cell VPN script and turn on Allow Full Access. This is the part that might give you pause. What exactly does Allow Full Access mean? The one thing it doesn't mean is allowing the keyboard to capture passwords. Anytime you have the opportunity to enter a password, iOS will force you back to the standard keyboard. You will, however, get a pop-up that explains what a full access keyboard does have. It says, full access allows the developer of this keyboard to transmit anything you type, including things you have previously typed with this keyboard. This could include sensitive information, such as your credit card number or street address. Now, I'll leave it up to you to make your own decision on whether you're okay with agreeing to full access. They do show you the privacy policy right up front in Selvi Pen Script, and they make you flip a switch that says you agree to it. So if you have concerns, please do go read it. If you'd like to read the privacy policy even before downloading it, I found it on the Selvis AI website, and I included a link to that in the show notes. Personally, I didn't find anything of concern to me. In fact, it read pretty well. In perusing the website, I learned that they do have, appear to have a lot of business-based projects in AI, which could explain why this keyboard is free. As an experiment to see if my text was going to their servers, I turned off Wi-Fi on my iPad to see whether Selvi Pen Script would continue to function. I figured if it had to send my data to the server to function, then it would stop working. Happily, Selvi Pen Script works just fine without the internet. Of course, that doesn't mean they won't send the data later, but I still find it amazing that this complex operation is all done locally on my iPad. While I was on the Selvi website, I learned that they even build the Selvi Pen technology into some Android devices. Anyway, once the Selvi Pen script keyboard is installed and authorized, you can switch to it at any time by using the little globe icon on your keyboard, virtual or physical. Now let's get to the fun part, how to write with Selvi Pen script. Simply start writing by hand, and as soon as you pause from writing, you lift your pen up, Selvi Pen Script will interpret what you wrote and type it into your application. Now, let's say it didn't get every single word right that you just scribbled. Right above where you write with your stylus, there would be five boxes, and each box is a different version of what it thinks you may have written. Before doing any more writing, simply tap the correct version to correct the typing. As soon as you start to write again, the previous suggestions disappear. So a quick glance to verify correct transcription is useful before writing more, unless you really want to go back and fix typos later. I mentioned that as soon as you pause, the text is interpreted. They call that pause time recognition latency. If you like a little more time after you stop writing to maybe write some more, you can adjust the recognition latency in the settings. Personally, I like to do the recognition as quickly as possible because it also clears the writing area so you don't have to move your hand around on screen so much. In settings, you can also change the color of your pen and the line thickness. The only thing I'd ask for other than that would be the option to write on a dark background. I know I'm being kind of picky here because it's free and I have it now, but there's something incredibly pleasing about writing on an iPad with a light color on a dark background. My, my script stylus had a dark background and I loved it. And I used Notability for actual handwritten notes and I set that to a dark blue screen so my pen is always light and it's just so satisfying. If you like to hit the spacebar twice to get a period at the end of a sentence, there's a switch in settings to enable that feature. They also have a feature enabled by default called Autospace. I wasn't sure what it did, so I disabled it. When Autospace is disabled, after text recognition, the next thing you write will be crammed right up against the previous thing you wrote without a space. I think that's really awful. I suppose you could get in the habit of always starting by hitting the included spacebar. 
Kind of a weird option, in my opinion, but somebody must ask for it. I mentioned the spacebar, which is essential, and the Selfie Pen Script keyboard also has a delete key, or as a backspace key, as our Windows friends would correct us to say. I know it doesn't seem like a big deal, but having those two keys available to me inside Selfie Pen Script is really helpful to fix little mistakes. Get this, Selfie Pen Script runs on the iPhone and Android phones as well. Have fun writing with your little sausage fingers, everyone. Anyway, Selfie Pen Script is even better than my script stylus, and I'm delighted to finally be able to scribble with pencil on my iPad Pro and with the Logitech Crayon on the iPad Mini and have it come out as beautiful typewritten text. I am at the Lumi by Pampers booth. We're here looking at diapers. Nobody can tell that I have two granddaughters on the way, can they? And I'm standing here talking to Blanca Arizzi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Okay, so I don't understand how a diaper ends up in a consumer electronics show. How's that going to work? Yeah, because, I mean, this is actually much more than a diaper. It's actually a connector system and the only one that can track your baby 24-7. This is super important because, first of all, parents want to know that their baby's okay all the time, not just overnight or when they are in the crib. And parents want to create a routine and a lot, I mean, you have grandchildren or, or are expecting some and a lot of what goes into a good night routine is what happens during the day. So that's why you want to track your baby 24-7. You want to track those naps, etc. Because a good, healthy sleep routine throughout the day, it's going to reflect in a good overnight routine. So this isn't just about pee in the diaper? No, 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 not at all. And actually, I mean, yeah, so basically what you're looking at is, I mean, this is the home screen of the Lumi by Pampers app. You have a video monitor of amazing quality. This is just my living room back at home. So I mean, can zoom in and out. It has two-way audio, background audio, um, night vision, you name it. But really what changes the picture here are these three pieces of information. The last time the baby slept, the last time the baby was fed, and the status of the diaper. And it's really when parents not only see and hear their babies, but also know all three of these that they are telling us they know that their baby is being taken care of. So it goes to, I know 24-7 that my baby is doing okay. So this is if your child is in daycare or if the, uh, the husband wants to make sure the wife changes the diaper, the wife want to make sure the husband but, changes yeah, the diaper, are tracking the diaper, the yeah. baby. I mean, these are some examples, but not only. I mean, as a new mom, for example, I would be using this, like, just to know, like, for example, if my baby is sleeping, uh, what is the status of the diaper? I don't want, don't disturb a sleeping baby. So you don't want to go uh, and check. You you want to know that. So we actually hear from parents using it, like, right after the hospital. They would be taking this at home and then uh, leaving those first weeks and getting more familiar with the routine of their baby. So actually, personally, my favorite feature is called Today at a Glance, and it's where this is yesterday, and you have all of the baby's sleeps laid out, all of the feedings, all of the diaper, and this is really what helps you create a routine that actually works for you and your family, because it's not just about tracking the night, it's really about tracking everything that happens during the day. So it's you're actually having to enter some of that, the bottle, for example, they there's yeah. no magic figuring that out, right? Okay, so actually, like this activity sensor, I'm going to ask you to hold it in your hand so that you see how light it is. Oh, okay. This. So this, she just peeled it like Velcro, like off of the diaper. You got it exactly. I and they were going to be like eighty dollars diapers a piece because it had this uh, little sensor on. Oh, it. oh, okay. So I'm glad we could clarify that. So basically, you would use this from one diaper to the next, and this activity sensor will automatically track all of baby's sleeps as well as the diapers. 
Wow. And that, together with some information that you input manually, like the feedings, as you were mentioning, is what gives you this very comprehensive uh, view of your baby. Oh, no, no, don't worry. I just accidentally pressed something. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, you enter the bottle, but it measures the sleep yes. and it, it. And the diapers, yeah. So, and it notices if the diaper has been changed? It, yes, and it will also know if the diaper is wet or very wet. So it does all of this. So it has a motion sensor inside. So this is what is tracking all of the baby's sleeps, not just overnight, but really throughout the day. And these two windows are. Two windows in the in the sensor. Yeah, and the, those are optical sensor. And actually, what you do is to measure the color change of this wetness indicator. Oh, okay. I mean, and we in Pampers, we really have years and years of expertise on how full diapers are, etc. And we have translated that in a very cool algorithm that's that parents really appreciate. That's really <laughs> neat. So, uh, is Lumi on the market yet? Yes, we launched uh, direct to consumer about one month ago from our own store. It's LumiByPampers.com, and throughout the next year, we will be looking into bringing this to select uh, brick and mortar retailers. Oh, mm -hmm. Very, very good. And uh, so, do you buy the? Well, wait a minute. There was a oh, cam. Yeah. There's a camera too, right? So She's got a camera I mean, in her hand. The camera is really at the heart of. Um, at the heart of the, the product. I mean, and it's this super nice quality that I was showing before. So there is the video monitor. There is one activity sensor. There are two bags of diapers and in unlimited access to the app and all of these retails for $349. We have a really nice offer for CS. For everyone uh, visiting our booth, they will get a $100 discount. Mm -hmm. Now you're talking. Yeah. So, um, what was I going to ask? So you buy all of this together? Correct. And yes. there's there's no monthly fee or anything? No, there is not. So I'm, I'm glad you asked actually. So we also have like super cool insights here and everything is, the app is for free and there are no hidden costs. There is no monthly subscriptions. You get all the insights um, unloaded without any additional costs. Very good. <laughs> very good. Well, thank you very much. This yeah, has been fascinating. You. So it was LumiByPampers.com. You got it. Very yeah. good. Thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Well, that's going to wind up the show for this week. I sure hope the website stayed up long enough for at least some of you to get the RSS feed so you're actually able to listen to this. I hope you'll be thinking of me in this troubling time. I want to thank uh, Alistair for his contribution and, again, Steve for all of the work he did. You'll notice not much of the content was original from me this week, and I really appreciate all of that help. Anyway, don't forget to send your dumb questions, comments, and suggestions to me by emailing me at allison at podfeet.com. My email is still working because podfeet.com's email is over on Google. Anyway, you can also follow me on Twitter to get those up-to-the-minute updates on what's going wrong on Twitter at podfeet. And remember, if you want to join in the conversation and you want to find out what's actually going on, go over to podfeet.com slash Patreon to make a donation or podfeet.com slash PayPal to make a one-time donation. If you want to hear about what's going on, podfeet.com slash Facebook or podfeet.com slash Slack, depending on what you like. Personally, this week, I'm much happier with Slack because Facebook would not let me post the content of the letter that I sent out explaining everything that was going on. I had to put a screenshot in. So it's not even accessible over on Facebook, which is awesome. Anyway, podfeet.com slash Slack is working much better. And if you want to join in the fun of the live show, not this Sunday, but starting back up again next Sunday, head on over to podfeet.com slash live on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific time and join the friendly and enthusiastic Nocilla Castaways. Hopefully, I have remembered all of the chapter marks that normally Kevin would have reminded me to put in. 
Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.